and fire, great glory of God, peace of heaven to touch our hearts. Allow us, God, to do your holy will. Oh, thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, mighty and wonderful God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. You have a Bible tonight. Turning to the book of Hebrews. wonderful to be here with you tonight, the good presence of God. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. There is certainly some food for thought here. Hebrews 6, beginning with verse 1, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or completion, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they have crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and made him put him to an open shame. Verse 7, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat, or proper for them by whom it is dressed, or the farmer, or the gardener, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns, and briars is rejected, and is nigh or near unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Verse 9, But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. I'd like to preach for just a little while tonight on I am persuaded better things of you. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I want to say that it was a wonderful blessing <clears throat> to work with those that were here for the funeral Saturday, the team, and uh, I'll say that Sister Williams and Sister Lewis Sister Stephanie Francis did a marvelous job on the music, and uh, you know it's a, it's a real pleasure to be working with people that have paid attention and that have learned and that have grown 
I had a man come by my house one time after he got cheated by the devil right out of here. And uh, he sat home for three weeks, and he said, we're under new leadership. We're not coming here at their chain anymore. And I'm nice to know that, interesting to know, I should say, that new leadership would have you sit home for weeks upon weeks without church and without worship and praise. I don't know what kind of leadership you're putting yourself under, but wow, that's quite amazing. And I remember this person came back several times until finally they came by my house, knocked on the door, and I don't know, it was six of them, I think, on the patio there, and it was getting kind of dark out. And uh, they were, and he actually came back by to just more or less let me know how much he'd grown. And uh, I'm not sure if he was talking about letting the belt out and the waistline or just what kind of growth he was talking about. I think he meant spiritual growth, and I wasn't able to measure any of that. And, uh, you know, there are people that begin to think, shall we say, more highly of themselves than they ought to. And I'm going to tell you it's, it's not really what you think. It really is what God thinks. And I am glad that as a minister, a God-called minister, that the Lord would allow me from time to time, like a priest of the Old Testament, to make evaluation, appraisal of a situation. And uh, I'm saying to you that as the writer here was addressing the church. Now, when you get to Romans and you go to Revelation, you're reading words that are written to the body of Christ. You're not reading words that are written to lost people, people that are not yet born again, people that have not yet been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost, that is. It's not written for them. It's written for those that have this experience, that have been by God placed into the body of Christ. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's, it's certainly not a natural thing, and that's what the world, the religious world, has tried to do. They've tried to make it a natural thing. They've tried to make it where you sign a card or where you say, I accept Christ as my Savior, and things of that nature, things that are not in the book, but things that their natural carnal minds have come up with. Whereas the church, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And that we as the church are not going to go to the right nor to the left, God forbid, back up, but we're going to persevere. We're going to go forward. And if it means a continual knocking and importunity, then that's what we will do. And we'll just keep right on keeping on because we know that God is on the throne and we know him by his name. We're on a first name basis with our God. How wonderful is that, that you can come boldly or with confidence to the throne of grace and you can talk to God and you can let him know. I'm telling you, I remember old brother Joe Duke. My wife was one of the last ones 
to get the Holy Ghost under his very fruitful ministry. And Brother Joe Duke was blind, but who needs natural sight when you've got his spiritual sight, insight? And uh, he had a very unique and peculiar way of, and by that I mean different and odd, but also a rare way of talking to God. And uh, he was very gruff. I, he might have made John the Baptizer look a little delicate, actually. <laughs> and old Brother Joe Dukey, how oh, God? You know, and he'd just start off like that. <laughs> and he'd set into telling God what all he wanted. I don't know if I told you, I thought maybe I did one time about how he was preaching for a young couple that had was starting to work in a new field. And uh, they had sat down to dinner each day. In those days, you know, you didn't go to McDonald's and Popeye's and Burger King and all that stuff. And they had they had a family meal, usually in the mid-afternoon, whatever by whatever name it was called. I can never remember if it was dinner or supper, but just as long as you got called to the table, it was okay. And uh, so they, for a week, they'd fed him rice and beans. Now, you know, rice and beans is nice, but a week of it, you know, after a while, you're kind of looking for something else. And, and Joe Duke was just that kind of way, and he was from deep in the country, and, and he just told that young preacher, he said, okay, he said, this is like the seventh day in a row we've had rice and beans, he said. Well, what do you think we could have a little meat on the table? And so the young preacher said, well, Brother Duke, I, I'm so sorry, and I apologize, he said, but we just don't have it. We can't afford it. We're, we're just in a new field work here, and, and we're just scraping by. Brother Duke said, oh, yeah? He said, let's pray. He said, now, God, he said, tomorrow at 3 o'clock, he said, I want a pot roast on this table. And he went, I imagine Mary, he said, I want some greens and a few other things. And he just went right down the wire. Cornbread, too. Don't forget cornbread. And, he, I mean, he went right down the wire in detail. What all he wanted God to supply the very next day. And the very next day, as they gathered in to get ready to have supper, came a knock on the door. Preacher's wife went to the door and opened the door. Man standing there starts handing her all kinds of platters of food. They set the table. Everything Joe Duke had told God he wanted, Joe Duke got on that table. He was that kind of guy. He, he talked to God that way. You know, you want to get to a place to where you can realize that you know him and that you, hey, remember me? I am your child, you know, with confidence that you can come into the Lord. Now, you know, little JL up here, she can come to my office with a lot of confidence, and she just looks at me with those big old eyes. And she knows, she's telegraphing, I want candy. And she knows what drawer, she knows the jar that's in the drawer, and she knows what's in the jar that's in the drawer. And she knows that I'm going to pull out a candy as long as she says, after I hand it to her and I'm looking expectantly, she says, messy. As long as I hear that in French. You know, I don't want it in English. I want it in French. And everything's all right. We've sealed the deal. Well, I want you to know in everything, give thanks, right? 
and that you can come boldly to God. You can talk to God. And God is saying here, we, we've got the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. We've got Acts 2.38, John 3.5. We've got one God, and we've got holiness. We've got an inner holiness that produces an outward holiness. We've got that by the grace of God. And everything is by the grace of God. We've got that. And, and we, we understand this foundation that has been given to us. And it, is, it isn't of us, it isn't of ourselves, but it is of God. And it's important to remember that. As it is written, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? God gave you this. Where did you get God gave me that. Where did you? God gave me that. How would you get that law? God gave me that. Excuse me? Well, he gave it to me by Moses. Ah, grace and truth. Where would you get that? Well, God gave that or the Spirit gave that to us by the man Christ Jesus. Oh, okay, okay. We begin to realize that God has channels and God has avenues and God has his way of doing things. An example. Here you have this. This man by the name of Joseph that I mentioned this morning. And Joseph stands in the middle of Pharaoh's court where people, just a little lifting of the eyebrow, would have their head lifted off of their shoulders if Mr. Pharaoh found himself in any way, shape, or form displeased. It didn't take a whole lot of effort for, you know, that to get signaled to the guy with the sharp sword, and he would take care of business. And so... Uh, as Joseph stood there and listened to Pharaoh's dreams, he began to give to Joseph. I mean to Pharaoh, that is. Joseph began to give to Pharaoh God's answer of peace. And he made it clear God's going to give you an answer of peace. And as Joseph began to be the one used of God to give that answer of peace, then the Scripture's teaching you that Pharaoh evaluated the whole thing and he said, there's nobody any wiser around here than you are. He said, ah, here's the keys to the kingdom. I want you to head up the whole thing, take care of everything, implement everything, put this plan in motion, okay? Okay. And, you know, I've had God do things like that with me, and I've been very thankful about it. I'd wondered why, you know, I'm not even sure how this is happening, and, and but it's happening, you know, and it was just God's will and God's way of doing it. Well, Joseph skipped, you know, right on out the court, happy as, a, you know, a lark, I guess you'd say, and he just whistling. Dixie, so to speak, and it's all going good. Of course, he's whistling that in Hebrew, but anyway, he's having a good time, you know, and uh, he's happy. He's excited. Look what God has done. Well, as time went on, God gave Joseph a wife, and God gave Joseph two sons, and that's Manasseh and Ephraim. And uh, when the time came, God brought back Joseph's family, and uh, he brought back everybody, even his younger brother. And he had to work a little bit on that one, but he worked on it real good. And he got, he got his younger brother down there. And then he held on to the younger brother so he could get his mother and father down there. And so the whole wagon load showed up, you know, just the whole buckboard wagon loaded up with all them uh, of Joseph's people came down there. And, uh, of course, Jacob was thrilled that he got to see his son, who he thought was dead. And then... After all of this time had taken place, and the time came when Joseph buried his father, and with Pharaoh's permission took him back to the place of his burial. Then, as time went on, Joseph began to feel things coming along, and he had given instructions about himself. And he said, when you leave here, and he said, 
and God is surely going to visit you, and you're going to leave here. And he said, and when you do, he said, you don't leave my bones behind. He said, you take me with you, okay? You take me with you. Well, what I would like to insert here is that before that happened, before Jacob passed away, but at the moment of his passing, as it drew nigh, the Scripture teaches that Jacob called Joseph in with his two sons. And that, now this is the Joseph that has interpreted the dreams, become the number one man in Egypt. And that meant all the nations came to Egypt and everything was under Joseph's hand because the rest of the world was in a famine and been so for nine to seven long years. So great and so severe that the first seven years of plenty were a distant, faded memory. That's how severe and bad that the, the famine was in the land. And so Joseph has everything prepared. His plan is working just right, and the people that worked with him were blessed. And so now Joseph is in front of his father, who's aged, you know, 140 or something years old, and, and, uh, and he's brought them there for his father to bless them. And so as he sets them properly, and he sets the oldest one to his father's right hand, and he sets the younger one to his father's left hand. But as, as Jacob, who is now blind, or near, near about blind, can't see well. I don't think he had any cheaters. You know what cheaters are, right? And so he reaches out his hands, and he crosses them. So that his right hand, signaling the birthright, is going to the younger son, and his left hand is going to the elder son. And Joseph says, no, 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 no. No, Dad, no, no, no. He said, put your right hand over here. He's the elder. This is, this is Jacob telling Joseph, number one honcho in the land. You know, Joseph could have gone and had, ain't nobody tells me nothing. Did not one grain of corn moves out of that silo except I say so. <laughs> you know, and he wasn't just whooping. That was true. And he owned everything in the land. And he put it all under Pharaoh. He'd been diligent in business. And this is Joseph. And his dad is telling him. Because as he's trying to tell his dad and redirect his dad, you know, he's the master planner now. His dad says, I know it. I know it. He said, the elder shall serve the younger, Joseph. And boy, I'm mad old Joseph just had to back up and shut up. Because <laughs> his father had a word from God that hadn't been given to Joseph. You know, you might want to think about that. You just might want to think about that. And friend, I want you to know that Jacob knew exactly what God wanted, and it came to pass just like Jacob's blessing was given. And Joseph got to see some of that, the beginnings of that. But if you read your Bible, you'll see that it came out just like God sent through Jacob. 
God sends things through he through whom he chooses to send them through. On this particular day, the writer is be, being used of the Holy Ghost. Holy men of old spake as they were moved upon, inspired of, carried along by the Holy Ghost. And boy, I want you to know, this particular day, there came a wave of Holy Ghost glory. Whew. You're talking about doing the wave, right? Some guy came through one time. Who is he? Oh, well, there, youth camp, and guy wanted us all to do the wave, you know. Nobody did the wave with him at all. <laughs> you know why nobody did the wave with him at all? Because he wasn't living for God right. His attitude wasn't right. And he just thought he was going to do something in the flesh, and it didn't work at all. So, anyway, this individual, friend, a wave of Holy Ghost glory was coming through the house. And this individual, be it Paul or Apollos or whomever God used to write the epistle to the Hebrews, whomever it was, and they, they begin to write. They begin to get carried away by the Holy Ghost. There was nothing more important at the moment. There was nothing more important or that needed to be done. Everything else was getting hung on a nail. It was time to put to pen what God was saying. And as God was saying it, brother, he was writing it down. He said, now listen. He said, we've got the principles of the doctrine of Christ. We've got that down pat, okay? God has given that to us. And we've got it through the apostles and the prophets. And, and here we are with Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. We've got this foundation down pat. And we've been careful how we laid this foundation, how we built upon this foundation. This isn't to be slipshod. This isn't to be any old thing we'll do. This is very particular. We've got two men that work over here on this drywall, mudding and taping and texturing, and they are particular about how things are done, okay? That's why we have to pay them the pretty little penny. we got to pay them. But it's worth every pretty little penny because when it's done, friend, it's going to be done right. And when the product is finished, it's going to look right because you know what? That, that texturing and that mudding and all that that's done in preparation of that drywall, it's going to show right through if it's not done right, or it's going to show through if it is done correctly when the paint is applied to it. I want you to know they are particular. Well, they're no more particular about their drywall than we are about this truth, about this doctrine, about this life that we live for Jesus Christ, and we're working on it every day, every day, every day. Slipshod just won't do. It won't do. Any old way just won't do. And the word, whatever, really doesn't apply. Okay. This is particular. And one writer in this book, the writer of this book of Hebrews, on one subject matter, he said that we cannot now speak particularly. Something's not quite ready yet for that application, you know. You don't just put that texture on over there when the taping and the mudding isn't properly finished. A lot of times you've got to sand it. And depending on how good you are, depends on how little sanding you have to do. And then they'll even take a sponge. And they had our guys do it, and they squirted down the wall. And they 
wiped everything down to get rid of a lot of that dust. And then they took that sponge and they worked on things. Very particular about how this job is to be done because this is the house of God. Imagine the dragon telling the preacher, this is the house of God. We want this to be done, right? This is going to be beautiful when this is done. And I'm thinking, what's going to be beautiful? When you come visit, when we're having church, you get the Holy Ghost. That's what's going to be beautiful. That's what's going to be beautiful. That's what's going to be beautiful. Because that's what it's all for. That's what it's all for. We, we, want a, we want a church house where God's glory is going to fill the place. And, boy, we had prayer there Saturday, uh, Thursday at uh, Thanksgiving. We went to where the men and women's prayer meeting is going to be before services. No more having to go down the stairs, and we're not complaining, just stating a fact. And uh, now you just take a, a little trek down the hallway to that back room, and, and uh, we'll be able to have prayer. So we decided that maybe we'd have a little prayer while we were in that prayer room. And, brother, I want you to know we had prayer. It wasn't now I lay me down to sleep, hurry up, and let's go eat. <laughs> we'd already eaten anyway. Amen. But I want you to know the Holy Ghost came in that place. And we, we had prayer. And I'll tell you something else. When we were in the sanctuary, and I was explaining. I was the tour guide. And uh, I was explaining different things as we went along. And, and uh, in the sanctuary, I was telling how that, you know, we wanted God to, to fill this place. And, and how that I want, I'm looking forward to Casey to, come out of that wheelchair and walk right down the middle of that sanctuary. And we're going to take that wheelchair and hang it up on a wall. I want you to know something. I felt the power of God touch me. Amen. 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 As I spoke about, about uh, Brother Small and what God has done for him and Sister Mace and what God has done for her. Recent miracles right here in our midst and many preceding miracles over the years right here. This town is filled with a powerful witness of people that have been healed. Uh, seems that Fell was mentioning to me somebody the other day that uh, said they were going to come back out to service, and she said, you remember her, God healed her of leukemia. I said, oh, yeah, okay, I remember, yeah. So how many people? Sometimes people would just come, some sinner person just heard and came, and we pray, and God would heal them. Sometimes they don't come back. Sometimes it's a while before they come back. But don't ever doubt what God did in their life, friend. Amen. It's a powerful witness what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. 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 So he went on to say, we're... Uh, We've got these things, and he said, we're going to move on. Time to move on. Time to move on. So he said, we'll do this if God permits. Well, if we'll take our good foundation, if we'll take the good things that we've learned and apply them and continue with them, then God will permit us to move on. God will take us on other things and boy the program was moving so fast that Joseph got left in the dust he didn't even know 
what God had in store. And here he was used. I've seen people used of God sometimes one time, and they never get used again. But they think that, you know, one time, and, and they're all that. And it's just not that way. It's just not that way. It does really pay to be humble before the Lord. It really does pay to remember that, as it's written, all things of God. All things of God. And uh, he went on to warn, he said, it's impossible for those who were once, that's past tense, and you can follow that in subject matter, to t pay attention particularly to the book of Jude, who were once enlightened and have, again, past tense, tasted of the heavenly gift and were made, past tense again, partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If, 9,000 plus times the word if in the Bible, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. That's a scary thing. It becomes an impossible situation. I was telling Brother Marvin here not too long ago, and he knows more about the Bible than he lets on. He's pretty modest. He knows more about calculus than he lets on, too. I always would kid him because he can't handle finances worth a lick. <laughs> I said, how can you get A and A-plus in college-level calculus and you can't do your finances, dude. We got to work on that. We got to work on that weak spot. We got to work on that weak muscle. But we're going to work on it. We're going to get it strengthened up. And, and we did. You know, he's debt-free. And I'm very happy about that. I like when we get debt-free. Not it now. If we're carrying on business and you run the business, I understand. Okay. So, anyway, I uh, am saying that uh, this became of a particular concern this type of writing in Scripture, and what does that mean, and what are they saying? And it's impossible. It's impossible to re be renewed again unto repentance. Well, really, what it's saying, people go out a door with God. They go out from the church. They go out from the pastor. And that's not a good thing because, you know, when you get this, this is the top of the mountain, folks. Anywhere from here is going downhill unless you get caught up in the first resurrection, all right? Or if you get a little appetizer to that like the Apostle Paul and you get caught up, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, he said, into that third heaven and hear things that are, you know, are not lawful to even repeat. <laughs> you know, God put the, a gag order on them and said, you don't have to talk about this. I'm going to tell you a few things. Do you know that I've been pastoring for almost 44 years, I reckon, and there are things that have been told to me that I've never repeated. You know, there are things my pastor told me in confidence that I've never breathed. I didn't tell my wife, and I about tell her everything. But there's some things that just don't come past that threshold. Those are things given in confidence. Those were things that, you know, we're to keep. We're to guard. We're to protect. And what he's saying here is, Somebody goes out. Somebody falls away. Somebody digresses from where they're supposed to be, their place in God. And believe me, every individual has a God-given place in the body of Christ. All right? You might want to remember that. You've got a place. He went to Calvary 
to prepare that place for you. Oh, I thought he was up there with the plans and the hammer and the nail and the, and the uh, what do they call that thing, a buzzsaw or whatever they call it, up there making me a mansion. Grow up. Get out of the natural realm, would you please? Okay? What God's got planned is so much better than that. <laughs> so much better. They got the mansions over in Palm Beach. They chose their mansions for here. You might want to decide that the angels, which kept not, they went out, which kept not their first estate. They decided, I don't like what God's given me. Oh, friend, they let the devil, that dissatisfied devil, that I want to be above God devil, that I want to tell God where to hint. I want to tell God all. Devil. And he went around, he convinced them that he was being done wrong. I've been done wrong. God's doing me wrong. And he bad-mouthed God, and he got a third of the heavenly host to follow him and to obey him, to withdraw from God until they were thrust out of heaven and they, because they, the Bible said they kept not, they didn't guard what God had given them. Kept. You've got to keep this. You've got to guard this. You've got to protect this. You've got to realize this is the most important thing in your life. Not only in this life down here, but in the life to come. And you want to be counted worthy. You want to be counted worthy of that first resurrection. You want to be in there. He's saying people that, that go way back. You know, and I've told you, like at, at a funeral, the preacher can get up there, and of course they can hire preachers, you know, so-called preachers, and they'll be happy to come in and give you a little flowery sermon and, you know, tell everybody what a great guy this was and what a great woman this person was. And first of all, they didn't even know him. And, of course, that's why they don't usually call certain people because those people know them. <laughs> those people know this. That's why they got mad at Stephen, you know. And that's why they stoned Stephen because Stephen read them their history and their history didn't read so hot. And they didn't like that. So they, they ran upon him and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But that's all right because, you see, God was already planning and, and he had things ready for Stephen. And Stephen just looked up and saw Jesus and begin to worship and praise, and his last words were, just don't, just forgive them, God, because they don't know what they're doing. But I want you to know God knew what he was doing, and God said, I'm going to take you right up right now, pal. I'm going to take you out of this mess. You're not even going to feel the first rock hit you in the head. I've got you out of here. We're gone. We're done with this. I've got something so much better planned. And then, and there's Jacob with the hands crossed. He looked all crossed up, and he looked so different into Joseph of all people. And, and the father is saying, I know it. I know what I'm doing. I know what's going on. I'm telling you, church family, it may look a little odd to you at times. It may look confusing to you at times. You may be just in a whirlwind about it, but I'm telling you, it may look cross to you, but God is directing and God's taking care of his business. He's taking care of his business. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. You know, I feel like some of you are a little shocked that I would say that I tell seems to spell near about everything. Well, 
I don't know about y'all, but uh, I, I believe in communication in a marriage. You know, and we're so funny that sometimes I tell her what she's thinking before she says it. And sometimes she tells me what I'm thinking before I say it. I guess that's mental telepathy or something. But I think we've just been on the same vibe for so long. You know, it'd be nice if we'd work in our marriages, in our relationship, to where we could truly be what it said, these two shall be one. That we're not separate vacations and separate bank accounts and separate this and separate that until after a while, we're separate. We're in separate, separate rooms in the house, you know. We had a plumbing problem. And uh, you know where I directed that comment, right? <laughs> like I said, they don't pay to be so good at everything. Well, anyway, I got past the Hopperport Church because he was going to fix my broken lectern. And I don't know who to blame, Tom or Patrick, but, you know, those guys are, are bulls in China shop. And uh, my, my lectern got broken in the, the one leg. And it's, it's a tripod in one leg. And if you break one leg on a tripod, whoop, it's going over. And so I told Pastor Hopper, I said, I need my, my lectern back, and I, I need it by Saturday. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Okay, I'll take care of it. I said, okay. I didn't pay it any more mind until Saturday when I looked, and there was my tripod sitting there still broken. So tonight, when Pastor Hopper came in, I said, um, I said, you know, my, um, my tripod, the one you were going to fix for Saturday, is right there. He got that grin going. I told him he better keep an eye on that youngest daughter of his because she's got the same grin. And uh, so anyway, uh, he did the wise thing, though. He said, let me get the keys for my wife, and I'm going to load up in the car right now. Now I've just got to make sure it doesn't get lost in the truck, right? Because that can happen, too. I, I know by experience. But uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, there are things that we can, we can get pretty separate on, we can get pretty far apart on if we're not careful. We've got to work on our relationships. We've got to work on things that, if we're not careful, they wind up broken. And, uh, and we we're, have a broken line of communication. It's important, very important, that we become what the book said, one. And that we, we have that kind of uh, experience and relationship or experience in our relationship. Interesting wording I was telling Senior Spelled before, before church tonight from the book of Galatians and how that uh, Paul in dealing with something that came up when they were together and Peter, James and John were there and uh, others, how that he told and re recorded in the book of Galatians chapter 2, he used the term he withdrew and separated himself. Withdrew and separated. These are tactics of the enemy. A spirit that gets in there, a bunch of them, even preachers, and they were there. And instead of a promoting of unity, it became a withdrawing. It became a pulling away. It became a separation. And the Apostle Paul had to stand up in the middle of the whole thing and had to challenge the spirit of it, the situation. And he said he did it because the individual was to be blamed. Okay? Now, you know, I'm saying to you, having been around for just a little while, uh, I want to say to you that when, and we're all going to one day go, you know, we are, and 
when Brother Weekly's time comes, I plan to do his funeral, I'm going to be able to tell what a faithful man he's been. When others, when others weren't so faithful, when others went to the left and went to the right, but yet they'll get people to tell natural things. Boy, talk about how good somebody was, how kind somebody was, how nice somebody was, and so on and so forth. Tell nice little fleshly, natural things, you know. But I'm trying to tell you, we're dealing with the God from above. We're dealing with the one that we want to go be with. We're dealing with the one that sees and knows all things. And I'm telling you, God knows who's faithful. God knows who's hung in there. God knows who has weathered storms. Paul on a ship, 276 people, and he told them that God said, if you stay with the ship, i.e. the church, i.e. means that is, if you will stay with the church, then you won't be pulled away by a spirit to withdraw and separate. Oh, yeah. And a leader became a part of that in causing part of that group there that day to withdraw and separate. Even so much that he said even Barnabas was carried away with their dissembling and later called it dissimulation. It was a breaking up. It's a breaking up. Oh, yeah. And the writer's saying, hey, you know what? You go out that door. He said, you're creating an impossible situation. And he said, because you cannot be born again, again. Key word there was again. It's right here. We read it. Okay? You can't be born again, again. And that's what I was explaining to Marvin. You can't be born again again. Any more than a baby born can be born again. Right? Even the the dude coming from the Supreme Court to Jesus said, and of the second time my mother's womb be born. Jesus, that was so ignorant, Jesus just never even addressed it. <laughs> he just <laughs> truly I tell you, you must be born again off water and of the spirit, or you cannot enter. You know? And I, I'm speaking to you of, of heavenly things. He said, actually, I'm talking to you about the ABCs of these heavenly things. He said, and you're supposed to be a master in Israel. You're supposed to know better. You're supposed to be a teacher. He said, and, and you're coming off, you know, pre, pre-kindergarten here. We got kids in pre-kindergarten do better than you. What's up, dude? <laughs> you know? Where you been? Been talking too many natural things been hanging out in too many natural places, been reading too many natural books, you know, until you're natural-minded. What did Paul say in one place? He said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual. He said, I had to speak to you as carnal because you're, as men, because you're yet carnal. Carnal. My pastor told me one time about riding with an individual. Thank God it wasn't me. I'm so glad. Riding along in the car, the other the individual was doing like Marv does for me. He was chauffeuring, and he was driving. This this guy was driving, and my pastor was sitting on the right hand side, and and this guy went on for 15 minutes. 
and he's laying out all this plan. And he looked at Brother Dunwoody, he's driving, he said, so what do you think? <laughs> there are times when Brother Dunwoody was not subtle at all. Direct would be more the word that would describe it. And uh, what, did that, what did somebody tell me that phrase? Um, Nobody got time for this. <laughs> well, Brother Dunwoody didn't have any time for that. And he just said, when the, when the young man asked him what he thought, he said, carnal. That was it. One word answer. Carnal. He said the guy driving, he didn't talk to him the rest of the trip. Not one word. <laughs> he was so mad. <laughs> well, we're not out to upset you, but we're trying to tell you don't create an impossible situation. Don't go backwards from where God has brought us to. We've already got, I promise you, you're not going to want to take some of these children and put them back doing A, B, C. Right? They had one presidential candidate that tried to tell a young man to the school he visited how to spell a certain word. The kid spelled it. And he corrected the kid, and he was wrong. The presidential candidate was wrong. You know, that kid was like, uh-uh, I got this. I know I'm spelling this right. I've been practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing for just this moment. I got this right. I got this down pat. You're not taking me back to that. I got my ABCs down pat. I got my basics down pat. Come on, church family. We've got the basics here. We've got that. But it's time to move on, the book said. It's, it's time for a little growth spurt. It's time for, if, if you're feeling a little wrestling, a little this, a little that, maybe what you're, what you're feeling but not discerning is you've got growing pains. Maybe you need to grow up a little bit in the Holy Ghost. What did it say after that? Uh, you should be teachers. And you find yourself a student again. It's time for you to be teaching home Bible study. We had uh, 65 in service in Fort Myers today. Give God a big hand. Amen. Amen. And each week as we're gaining momentum, new people are coming. And today, another new young lady came, and she is already enrolled in home Bible study. Thank God. So I'm saying to you, we, we just need a little, a little growth spurt here. You need a little growth spurt. You need to say, hey, I got I to gotta get involved here. I, I ought to be a teacher. I ought to be telling somebody. I ought to be witnessing somebody. I know what's right. I know what it takes to get to heaven. I may not be able to get you to the moon with NASA, but I can get you past that. I can get you to that third heaven. I can get you to the place that really counts. I can get you to where you'll be eternally happy. Amen. And amen. Amen. You can remain standing. I'll, I'll just end right here. It's good to know where to end, right? So I'll, I don't want to undo the good that's been done tonight in this last 30 minutes, I guess. So let me just say to you that I'm, I personally, as I mentioned, the team and even the cleaning team that came uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday, excuse me. You know this little, this little Nisha here. This girl knows how to clean, friend. We, she's been taught. And that's a good thing because I know a lot of people don't know how to clean. But she knows how to clean. And some of these others, little Destiny, we got Michael on a vacuum cleaner, buddy. Let me tell you. Yes, sir. And uh, what I'm trying to say is I am persuaded better things of you. I am persuaded better things of you. We're in church, and the Holy Ghost rain is falling. And I'm looking. 
I'm looking for fruit. God's looking for fruit. He's saying, I'm sending the rain that comes off. And as the, what did the, the pastor, he's out there and God said, fuck up that tree. Why cumber the ground with it? Why are you wasting space? Pluck it out. We'll, put, we'll start a new seedling. Let's get moving here. And, and, and uh, the pastor, of course, he falls on his face and says, God, let me, let me dung around it. Let me fertilize around it. Let me work with it just a little bit longer. You better know sometimes that there's somebody praying for you that God will give you just a little bit more time and to, to show something here that is expected of you. I'm in earnest expectation. I'm not just in expectation. I'm in earnest expectation. I'm in powerful expectation. What did Paul say? I travail in birth till Christ be formed in you. Looking for, we're looking for something good. We're in expectation. Brother Weekly has got a great garden. I promise you, he's happy when he comes out of that garden showing that cauliflower or whatever else he's got growing at that time. That's exciting. That's happy, man. That's a good, and he loves to bring it here and, and share it with me. Let me tell you something. You don't go out to that garden after you put in all that labor and you don't see any, it's, it's all withered up. It's all dried up. It's all dead. There's no fruit. There's no nothing. Yeah, that's disappointing. That's very disappointing because you're expecting something better. Oh, man, I was, I was looking for it. You know, I had to tell one sister one time that I was so disappointed in them. And they came to me weeping and said it just broke them that I would be disappointed. But you know what? They straightened up and they started meaning business with God and they started going forward. And sometimes it takes a good punch in the solar plexus to get your attention. But it's designed to save you. It's designed to help you to be what you're designed to be. Amen. 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 And you are designed to be. In many cases, we are designed to be so much more than what we're showing. Let's show our God what all we can do. Let's show him we know how to be obedient. We know how to be in harmony and rank. We know how to synchronize. We know how to work together, you know, and that we can fellowship together without running one another down, you know. Now, you know, I grant you that God has... Every once in a while, he gives me a few grace builders, you know. But, you know, you work on those grace builders, and they grow up after a while, you know. They grow up, and they become good, solid, productive people. I told the funeral director that came here the other, he was the, actually the, the teacher of the ones that were conducting the funeral. And uh, I told him, I said, these guys came when they were 6 and 10 years old. And I said, he, he looked at him. oh, I said, yeah. I said, they're, they're not 6 and 10 anymore. I said, they've grown up. They've developed. And we're going to keep on developing. You don't top out in this church, family. You don't top out in this. This is bigger and wider and greater and grander than, than you can comprehend. It takes the Holy Ghost to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to begin to comprehend, to begin to scratch the surface of what all God. People get a little bit of blessing and a little bit of success, and they they just get big-headed, and you can't they you they they just can't handle success. A little bit of success. And first news, you know, they're wanting to tell me where to head in at, you know. And all that shows is a whole lot of immaturity. All that shows is a whole lot of flesh. All that shows. Is a whole lot of, they're missing it. 
when God has so much more in store. I'm telling you, he's got great things in store. Great things. And I, I am persuaded of these better things of you. But I'm looking for great results, great things to happen in your life and in your family, in your children that are coming up. I'm looking for that if God lets me live. But I don't have to worry because they already told me I'm going to live 40 more years. So I guess I'll get to see a lot of them. If I can still see, <laughs> my cheaters will probably get thicker. <laughs> All right. We love you. We appreciate you. Let's take a moment. We're going to sing a little song. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and love him. He is so great and so mighty. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. Come on now. You're here tonight. You need the Holy Ghost. Come on now. You can make your way to the front. Come on. Come on, Shetty. I'm expecting better things of you, girl. Got a lot of good investment in you. Good Sunday school teaching from Sister Stephanie and others. We're persuaded of better things. Better things. Better things. I'm looking for these children to grow up strong and solid. These young girls. These young men. I'm looking for them. All you want to be is a football player? What a disappointment. All you want to be is what? Some kind of junk produced by the world? How disappointing. We've got so much higher heights. So much loftier expectations. We do serve the high and the lofty one who sitteth upon the circle of the earth. He is the eternal God. Amen. You don't want to be just another also ran. You don't want to be a brand X. You don't want to be just another guy standing on the street corner, jooking and jiving and just saying a bunch of words that don't mean anything. You don't want to be just another girl that gets all messed up and gets off track for the rest of your life. There's so many better things planned for you and expected of you. So many better things. Come on and love Him. We're worshiping. We're praising